Welcome to the Relatable Finance Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joseph Carl and Shane Phillips. Welcome to today's episode of Relatable Finance. This is Shane Phillips, financial advisor with Provenance Wealth Advisors. Today, we're going to talk about something I feel everyone talks about, and that is the real estate market. Whether it is talking to friends at dinner or to clients about their house or vacation home, real estate comes up very frequently in discussions. Questions like, is the South Florida market really that different than the rest of the country? Or how is the big hike in interest rates really affect the market? To answer all these questions and others, I brought in an expert to discuss all things real estate. Joining me today on the podcast is friend and realtor, Jeremy Hansen with Coldwell Banker Realty. And Jeremy, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So Jeremy, just tell us uh, a little bit about yourself. Sure. I'm uh, originally from upstate New York. Uh, I have lived in South Florida for about 13 years. Um, I have extensive background in sales and customer service, which kind of set me up for my career in real estate. I worked for companies um, such as Marriott and Nike, um, learned a lot of great, great values from those big brands. Um, and, you know, my experience with both of those, both of those companies and a few others have really, have really kind of shaped how I run my business today. Uh, currently, I live in Fort Lauderdale, uh, but I did live in Brickell for about 10 years before that. Recently bought a house up here. Um, I feel really lucky because I have a little bit of a dual expertise. Um, you know, I have a great history down in Miami with uh, Brickell and the surrounding metro area. Uh, but now that I'm up in Fort Lauderdale, I also have gotten a lot of great uh, expertise in the neighborhoods around me. Yeah, so I think that's one thing that's interesting about South Florida. Um, each neighborhood is quite a bit different. Um, so it'll be interesting to hear about it. I know we talk about it uh, a lot offline, um, but just give us an idea of what we're kind of seeing in the current market. I think everyone talks about buying and renting and selling, and, and there's a lot of things going on, especially in South Florida. So just give us an idea of what the current market looks like, um, for the two sides, both to buy and to rent. Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, to put a a general consensus on everything is really difficult uh, because as I said, you know, uh, each neighborhood is very different. Um, the general consensus would be that things have really leveled out over the last six months or so. Um, you know, you're seeing uh, closed sales for the past six months versus the prior six months in a lot of areas, just basically dead flat line. So you're seeing um, maybe a 1% increase or a 2% decrease um, in, in closed sale prices um, in, in a lot of areas. Now, as you drill down into specific neighborhoods, uh, you may start to see a little bit different fluctuations. Um, for example, if you were going to you know, buy a, a condo in Brickell and we were heading go ahead and run the numbers to see what's going on there. Well, closed sales are 13% higher over the last six months than the previous six months. Um, whereas a neighborhood like uh, Coconut Grove, if you're looking for single family homes in Coconut Grove, the, sale, the closed sale prices are 5% lower. So it's really, really, really neighborhood specific 
um, and even sometimes building specific. Um, so when you drill down even deeper on like a neighborhood like Brickle, there's a few buildings that continue to see appreciation and strong demand while other ones maybe are a little lower. So living in Brickle or in downtown, I mean, I definitely see so many differences in the people, the buildings going up, the, the traffic around here. So I know a lot of people are coming down here. What are, call it the, the prices looking like? Are, are the prices still continuing to rise as, as demand maybe slows down in some of those areas? So yeah, all of those, the numbers that I was referencing are closed sale prices. So it's not asking prices, that's actually what people are paying at the end of the day. So to answer your question more specifically, yes, in Brickell, the prices are still, have still continued to increase. Um, a couple of interesting things have occurred. The days on market, are creeping up, uh, which means the properties that are hitting the market are not being absorbed quite as quickly. Um, and we're seeing this across the board in almost every single sub-market. Um, you're seeing sellers with relatively high asking prices. And at this point, the buyers are saying, hey, wait a minute, you know, you can't just throw out a number and people are going to buy it at this point. So there's um, there's a lot more time where the homes may be sitting on the market while the pool of buyers just isn't ready to, to meet that price yet. So um, again, everything is hyper-local. And if you, you know, if we had all day, we could go through all the sub-markets and, and take a look which ones prices have continued to appreciate um, and, and whatnot. But, um, you know, just to use your example, yes, prices are increasing in in some of the most in-demand areas uh, still. Um, but as a, as a whole, they're, they've leveled out, generally speaking. Yeah, that's interesting about the days on the market because we have a lot of clients that I know will put their houses for sale, but they'll put a number where it's kind of ridiculous. Like, all right, I'm going to offer, you know, I'm going to ask for 5 million. I know my house is only worth three and a half. And in a lot of cases, it just sits there and, and just goes along. They don't try to sell, but that's interesting in general. I know for a while there, if, if a house went on sale on a Saturday, I feel like you needed to make an offer by Monday or Tuesday to have any chance. Yeah. And it's interesting that you say that because inventory has definitely increased. Um, and again, if we're looking at some of these sub markets, you're looking at inventory increases of over a hundred percent. Um, Sometimes that's significant, uh, but also if there was only one month of inventory last year and it increased 100%, well, there's still only two months of inventory. Um, but there are areas that you're starting to see eight, nine, 10% months of inventory, which is you know a little bit would theoretically favor a buyer. But to your point, there's a considerable, um, considerable amount of inventory out there that's just priced not realistically. I just just way way too high even to even to get you know anybody taking bites at it. So um, the good thing is though that inventory definitely is increasing, which um, finally gives a little bit of a little bit of relief to the pool of buyers out there. Sure. So that's interesting. Myself, I'm a renter. I have somewhat thought about buying just. Talk about, I, I know this is all very specific to different areas, but maybe broadly speaking, 
call it maybe the first time home buyer market versus you know the the second home versus you know down here in south florida we also have very very high-end homes what if any is kind of the differences but between the three right now yeah well uh first i'll answer the first part uh of your of your question or statement there about renting um you know before before i go into the to the purchase part uh the rental market is still absolutely um you know borderline crazy in miami and fort lauderdale and west palm um uh you're looking at i mean i i i refreshed all my numbers before this call and i mean you may see single digit pullbacks in some of these markets on closed prices but um i'm looking at my spreadsheet right now and every single one uh you're looking at closed rentals at a hundred percent of asking price with maybe a couple in there at 99 and uh, looking at las olas one bedrooms uh, they're actually closing for over asking uh, on a rental basis so uh before we move on to the sell part the rental the the um the rental market is still very hot and if you're looking for a rental um you definitely need to get yourself a good realtor uh, so that you are prepared to make a nice strong offer and get that locked in yeah i remember when you're helping me look for a place uh i you told me about some other clients who kept making offers and not getting the place and when i told other people about that they, they just assume i was talking about buying and I said, no, for rental properties, the competition is just as fierce. So great. Yeah. No, I'm in a terrible rental market. <laughs> uh, appreciate the honesty. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and, uh, you know, silver lining is that, as I did say, prices, you know, in some of these categories are down like one, two, three percent. So it seems like the meteoric uh, rise has, has kind of slowed down a little bit, but you know, Miami's always been a pretty transient city and um, there's always been rental, huge rental demand and, and, and that clearly, clearly continues. So um, back to your original question though, about the purchasing front, um, we do have, well, prices are definitely, you know, still, still pretty elevated. Nobody's anticipating that prices are going to have any major pullback on a broad sense in South Florida. So in some of these some of these submarkets where you're seeing a two or three percent decline, that's you know that's probably as good as it's going to get from a buying perspective. Um, but for first-time home buyers, we did get a little bit of relief this year in that the uh, conforming loan limits were increased for conventional financing and FHA financing. So your conventional loan goes up to uh, went up from 647,000 uh, lo a loan limit to 726,000. And then for FHA loans, uh, your loan limit went up from 460,000 up to 557 um, in our particular area. So um, that definitely, definitely helps in that people that maybe were, maybe they, they could have afforded a home last year they just wouldn't have qualified for a loan. Um, you know, that definitely helps. Uh, that is definitely going to help them in 2023. Um, another good thing for first time home buyers, as some of these homes are, you know, on the market for a little bit longer, it really just makes the process less stressful. Um, last year, if you're a first time home buyer and hadn't gone through this process before, 
you know, you're getting told by somebody like me, like, okay, if you see a house that you like, this, you know, the minute it hits the market, we're on FaceTime or you're in my car and we're making an offer over asking with, you know, as few contingencies as possible. And that's scary for a first time home buyer. So fast forward to today, um, you know, actually I have a, a home under contract with a first time home buyer and we were able to see like 12 or 12 or 14 homes and really get a good vibe for what they wanted, what they didn't want. It was like a shopping experience for them that they will they will remember as opposed to a, a fire style type of a situation so um yeah that's something so i've talked about people have said to me oh you missed your chance to buy a house no. you, you could have made much money blah 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 and i thought to myself exactly what you just said i would have never been in a position to look at a house walk into your car and start making offers yeah um so Good to hear that uh, people can breathe a little bit more. Yeah, and um, I think on that note, as far as like the the home prices go, um, I mean, it's I really do. You know, it, it seems as though we've hit a kind of a new a new base or a new plateau, if you call it. I mean, everybody calls it something else, and nobody has a crystal ball. So, will home prices go up, down, sideways for the next year, two years, ten years? I don't know. Um, but it definitely seems as though we're kind of, this is a little bit of a new, of a new base level. Um, and you know, when you're going to consider purchasing a home anyway, the most important factor, it needs, it doesn't really need to be what's the market doing. That's, I mean, that's a component, but really what you need to factor in is, is this the right time for me to buy a home anyway? So that's the biggest driver of that. Um, but I think we're going to talk a little more about that later. Yeah. Uh, so what about the different levels? Is it yeah. it that first time home buyer level looking a little more attractive versus middle versus is the high end changed at all? Mm-hmm. How, how it kind of, if we're just going to break it into three, three areas, yeah. has that changed depending on which bucket you're in? Yeah. So again, the competition, is still incredibly, um, I mean, there's still a lot of people looking in that kind of first rung, if you want to call it like 600,000 and below. So, well, it's definitely easier. I mean, homes are still going at 98% of asking price and selling in, in, in three, four weeks. So there is still competition there. Um, and then kind of the next level up, maybe like from 600,000 to like, I don't know, call it 1.8 million or something like that. Um, there's definitely been a little bit of a reduced uh, amount of demand in that in that space. Um, you know, prices again, depending on the specific area, um, have just kind of done that two three percent pullback, maybe a little more in some areas. Um, but similar to the rest of the market, there is just you know not a ton of inventory. So, um, so you're you're looking at a little bit of a stalemate there. And then for kind of the super, the, the um, ultra luxury market, you know, call it 3 million and up, and up or, or luxury market, I guess not ultra luxury, but 3 million and up, we'll call it, um, you know, if, if you're looking in, looking in Miami, Miami-Dade County, you're still looking at a 2% increase um, in the last six months versus the prior six months. So while the total volume of sales has really dropped in those last two categories, the the prices have pretty much remained remained similar. Sure, it's um, 
Yeah, it's interesting. So on that last group, I mean, and this is just hearing things, not knowing things. But one thing I definitely wanted to ask about is financing. And and I've heard that for the, call it the ultra wealthy, they're usually paying cash anyway. So increase in rates really don't affect those. They affect somebody like me that has to pay, you know, six, 7% versus three, 4%. How have you seen, if anything, uh, the big jump in interest rates, how has that affected the, the markets in general? Yeah, so this is really interesting because as, as I, you know, I'm always looking at the numbers and all that stuff. If you go back about, let's see, maybe five months ago from now, I mean, or maybe six, there was a ton of uncertainty. Rates were just, I mean, they were skyrocketing. Uh, I remember, I think the rate, rates, rate on my loan increased like three quarters of a percent in the month from when I got my home under contract to when I closed on it. Um, and, you know, there was so much fear, so much uncertainty that um, it really seemed like, especially at the entry level, people were going to be be not buying homes. So it's a little interesting when you look at these numbers that all of these sales figures are pretty steady. Is if there was ever a time where things were going to go, you know, get pulled way back, a time where interest rates doubled in a three and a half month window or whatever it was, certainly would seem like it. So, um, you know. The numbers show that it hasn't really affected the market that much. Um, now, you and I both know it definitely affects that first-time home buyer. Even the second, you know, that kind of second rung we spoke about, it's in that 600000 to $1.8 million. Um, it costs a lot more to finance a $1.5 million home right now than it did last year at this time. So, um, you know, I think... At the at the entry level, if people are wanting to purchase a home because it's the right time for them, and you know maybe they're going to start a family and they don't want to rent anymore, and all the you know all the stars align, look, there's homes out there. You can get a good home, you know, for for your money. Um, it's just a different formula than last year. It just it just is, um, and you know. Whether we ever see three percent rates again, I mean, I don't know that we ever will. I mean, who knows, right? Um, That's something that that I've talked to a lot of clients about is just people takes time to get used to it. I mean, we all look back and say, "Oh, I wish I would have bought a house at a three percent mortgage," but that's gone, yeah, and it's probably not coming back. Um, but it it does. There is that sticker shock of saying you know, okay, I want to buy a house, a 3% mortgage on a million dollars is this. And then you look at it 12 months later and that number is substantially higher. So I I do think, and this is somewhat personal as well. I I think it just, it takes a little bit of getting used to it. Well, definitely. And I mean, we did see, I mean, like November and December were incredibly slow months. I mean, if you talk to anybody in real estate, they'll probably tell you the same thing because the, the the buyer pool was as a whole collectively digesting what the heck was going on. And um, I think at this point, you know, people have digested that information and they're understanding that a, a 6% interest rate is still a little bit below historic average. So, you know, it's not, it's not the end of the world. And look, do I want to get in a home and start, you know, putting money towards 
building equity? Um, am I done renting? Like, you know, that's for each person to decide. But, um, you know, what we're seeing in a in a broad sense is that the rates have not, you know, really put put the speed up or put the brakes on on our particular market down here. Now, if we're in, sitting in San Francisco or, you know, maybe, I don't know, Cleveland, Ohio or something like that, we could be having a different conversation. But yeah. that's the story. here. My, yeah, my understanding is, again, back to the difference in this market than most. I, I, I've seen the numbers and it seems like everywhere else it slowed things down a little bit more. But yeah. we have, you know, you see more and more license plates from every other state except Florida every day. So people continue to come. Yeah. And on the financing front too, I mean, one thing to consider in like in Miami-Dade County, I mean, depending on the given month, you're looking at anywhere from 37 to 42%, 43% of transactions are just all cash transactions. So, um, you know, while there's still 60% of the market that requires financing, of that remaining 60% of the market, not all of them are only doing 20% down or 3% down. You know, some of them are doing 50% down um, or 40 or 30 or whatever the number is. But, um, but that number of transactions at 37 to 42% that are all cash, um, you know, that's, that's a pretty good chunk. The national average is somewhere right around 28%. So that's significantly higher than that, uh, that number. Yeah, I mean, those numbers to me are shocking. Again, I'm not a real estate professional. I've never bought a house, but I would have guessed those numbers were much, much lower. Yeah. Um, yeah. And but. when you split it up, I mean, if you really dig down and I mean, even if you just split it up from condos to single family homes, like condos in Miami-Dade County, it's like 52% all cash. So That's crazy. Um, crazy. So just, yeah, just some interesting, interesting to, to, to think about. So moving forward, what are some of your advice, some of the expectations for somebody, let's just use myself, I'm right here, uh, uh, for somebody that's thinking about, hey, you know what, maybe I want to buy a house in the next six months, 12 months, what should I be prepared for, what are some things to think about, kind of just walk me through, you know, real estate 101 on somebody thinking about buying uh, for the first time. Yeah, I think um, when it when it comes to purchasing a home for the first time, there's definitely a few things that you need to consider. Um, there's a few different steps. Um, step one and two, which is, cons- you know, get a consultation with a recommended realtor, and then also get pre-approved with a recommended lender. Kind of go go hand in hand. Um, but when you're before you even get to that stage, if you're you know thinking about, geez, how do I even you know, make this, make this move. Um, you're definitely going to want to think about, um, think about long-term is that most home investments are around seven to 10 year investments. So, um, think about what you want today, but also think about what's going to be going on in your life over the next seven to 10 years. Um, you know, is there going to be, are you going to adopt a, uh, hundred pound, black lab? Are you going to have kids? Are you going to have um, extended family move in with you? Um, all of these things that are very common in life, um, you know, that that aren't right in front of you are really important to think about. So, you know, if any, 
any one of those scenarios may be, you know, maybe in the works, then, you know, maybe you don't buy that one bedroom condo. Maybe you think about uh, something with a little more space or a townhouse with the, with the yard, uh, something like that. So um, uh, that's definitely, I, I think, one of the most important things is to make sure that you think about that long term. Um, the next thing is definitely going to be thinking about your, um, you know, the area you want to be in. And I know that sounds a little bit obvious, but, you know, sometimes you really just need to take a step back and think about all the options. So, um, you know, and I'll use myself as an example. I lived in Brickle for like 10 or 12 years. And then we went, we were looking at buying a place and we didn't want to leave there at all. Um, but when we stepped back and looked at it, we were like, well, what do we like about this? We like, you know, proximity to great restaurants, proximity to parks, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, we ended up breaking our search up into Brickle, Edgewater and Fort Lauderdale. And we ended up getting a place up here. We got a little more value for our money. So, um, you know, had we not had that, that taken that process to think about alternate options, we probably never even would have came up here to look at a place. Um, I think the other thing to consider uh, is going to be what type of property that you want. So if you've been living in a condo for 10 or 12 years, um, you may forget some of the maintenance requirements of an actual home. So <laughs> yeah, so um, well, HOA fees are typically annoying for everybody. Um, they do have a certain uh, certain value. So if you're somebody that really doesn't, you know, doesn't really want to mow the lawn or maintain the grass or or, or deal with taking the trash out, um, you know, you may want to consider getting a townhome or a condo um, as opposed to a single family home. Again, I know these things sound a little bit obvious, but but it's definitely something to think about uh, because you know if you buy if you end up buying a house that has a huge backyard, then you're you're either out there mowing the lawn and trimming the bushes or you're paying somebody to do it. So I, as, as obvious as you think these probably are, they are not obvious because I'm sitting here staring at you and taking note of every single one <laughs> of these being, you know what, that is a really good point. I should think about that. Yeah. So these are, these are excellent. Don't think they're uh, yeah. As obvious as, as you probably think coming from your perspective. Yeah. Um, and then, so once you kind of figure that out, though, definitely get a have a consultation with a recommended realtor. And I say recommended, just you know, ask a couple friends that have have um, you know maybe bought or sold a place. Um, just because there is a million different real estate agents out there, and everybody operates differently, so it's definitely you know always important to get somebody that's that's recommended. And then feel free to you know interview a few different people. You want to make sure that those people, um, that this person is on the same page as you and has great communication and um, is open and honest, all that good stuff. Um, I also, so once you do figure, you know, once you figure out kind of more or less what you want um, on those broad, broad, broad picture items, um, it's, before you even go look at a house, you really should be getting pre-approved with a recommended lender. Um, you know, just like everything in real estate, um, uh, the lending, the lender needs to understand the local market. So, um, you know, just like I said, get a recommended realtor, get a recommended lender, because if you just go online and you go to whatever cheapestmortgagerate.com and you start clicking buttons, 
um, sure, you can get pre-approved in 20 minutes for whatever amount you want, just based on any information that you put in there. But whether that information is accurate, whether it whether it actually translates to you know giving you an accurate depiction of what you can afford it is a whole nother story. So um, get a recommended age, uh, recommended lender, get them all the info they need, and they will come back to you with a true, like, look, this is what you can afford uh, type of thing. And um, more importantly, they're going to know how to get through the process with as little hiccups as possible. So I've had, um, I've had lenders who have never done never done or have done a few deals in South Florida. And for whatever reason, the buyer had that lender before or whatever. And, you know, if they don't know the local, the local norms, rules, regulations, it really can make things more difficult than it has to be. So um, having the appropriate lender is, uh, is just, is huge. I think after that, yeah, I mean, pretty much just get into starting the search. I mean, Pretty much all the listings are syndicated on major real estate websites. So, um, you know, your agent's going to be diligently searching on your behalf um, and we'll, we'll surely be sending you alerts. But we all know that, you know, everybody's out on Zillow and all that. Don't don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to send over interesting properties. You're not cheating on us. I find that. uh Yes, I, I feel like everyone's favorite hobby is looking at those websites, seeing what either they absolutely cannot afford <laughs> or, yeah, looking at that. So yeah. very interesting, very interesting. So if, if I'm, again, you're, you're talking to the audience, but at the same time, I feel like you're talking directly to me. One question I would have is if, if what if somebody's kind of lukewarm? If, if somebody's thinking, ah, oh, maybe I want to buy, maybe I don't. Are these all things to kind of get started anyways? Or is this something where somebody should be, no. quote unquote, serious about making an <laughs> offer, buying a No, um, both, both of these, both of the first couple steps there are, are going to be important, even if you're, if you're like a lukewarm. So um, I will say I wouldn't ask your uh, preferred realtor to be showing you properties every single weekend if you're lukewarm. But, you know, everybody, everybody takes this journey differently. Um, I've showed people 28, 30 properties before they've made a decision. Um, and, you know, that's fine because that's what it, that's what was important for them. And that's what it took for them to, uh, you know, to feel comfortable with the process. Whereas other people, I've showed them two properties and they, you know, made offers while they were on vacation. So it's, everybody's different in that, but, you know, I don't think you could make the most effective decision for yourself if you don't have all the information. So if you're lukewarm, like, how do you know whether you want to buy a place or not, if you don't know what you don't know? Um, yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's, I think that's one of the most important things. And then, yeah, just be honest with um, whoever you're working with and just say, Hey, look, this is where I stand. You know, I want to, I, I think I want to get started with this process, but I'm not really sure, you know, all that good stuff. So you just gave us a ton of information, anything else or any things you want to reiterate about the market now about thinking about buying or selling or renting? Um, not really. I think just main takeaways is definitely like, I feel like 
you know, the buyer pool out there has adjusted these, these interest rates. Most of the markets are pretty much kind of have flattened out, uh, looking, looking at a more normalized environment, I guess, for lack of a better term. So I would say, you know, look, and again, I don't have a crystal ball, but, but hopefully, you know, look to the future or the near, near semi near future to be a little bit more of a normalized market. Um, I, I, I wouldn't, be looking for a 2008 type of a pullback in prices. I, I don't think anybody's expecting any of that uh, to happen here, especially in South Florida. Um, so that that's kind of it from the from the, uh, the overview perspective. And then as far as like next steps for anybody that's thinking about purchasing a place, it's just you know buying a home is really a team game, um, and it requires. You know the buyer, uh, the buyers, if it's plural, um, the lender and the realtor all to be on the same page, um, and then subsequently the selling side to be on the same page as well. So um, it really is a team game, and I think uh, you know a lot of people that are maybe thinking about buying a place may not realize that, and um, most realtors and great mortgage lenders. Uh, they're out there to, to, you know, to do the best that they can for their customers and, and all that. So um, don't be afraid to, to get that recommendation and reach out to, you know, to somebody. And even if it's just talking about the process and you know what, if the determination is that it doesn't make sense for you to buy a place right now, it's better for you to rent for the next couple of years until you have a better understanding of your future. That's fine too. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, again, thank you. This was all, for everyone, but I feel like you're talking to me uh, one-on-one <laughs> time. Uh, so really appreciate you taking the time um, to to be on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Shane. Happy to uh, happy to hop on at any time. All right, and thank you again, Jeremy, for being a wonderful guest. If you have any questions, please email me at podcast.provwealth.com or check out our website, relatablefinancepodcast.com. Provenance Wealth Advisors is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services, Inc. Securities are offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services are offered through Provenance Wealth Advisors and Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. Any opinions are those of Relatable Finance Podcast and PWA and not necessarily those of Raymond James. The information contained in this report does not purport to be a complete description of the securities, markets, or developments referred to in this material. There is no assurance that any of the trends mentioned will continue or forecasts will occur. The information has been obtained from sources considered to be reliable, but Raymond James does not guarantee that the foregoing material is accurate or complete. Any information is not a complete summary or statement of all available data necessary for making an investment decision does not constitute a recommendation. Investment involves risk and you may incur a profit or loss regardless of strategy selected. Diversification and asset allocation do not ensure a profit or protect against a loss. Investing involves risk and investors may incur a profit or loss. Raymond James does not provide tax or legal services. Please discuss these matters with the appropriate professional. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Future investment performance cannot be guaranteed, and investment yields will fluctuate with market conditions. Any examples given in the podcast are for illustration purposes only. Actual investor results will vary.